Welcome to Eternal Leadership. I'm Steve Ryder, and I just want to give a quick shout out to Keith Boyer, Joel Lewis at StartupDadHQ.com, and Kate at Entrepreneur on Fire for giving us reviews on iTunes. We thank them and everyone that has reviewed us on iTunes and everyone that has shared this show on social media or with your friends via email. If you haven't given us a rating on iTunes, please consider going there and giving us an honest rating. Maybe you'll get a shout out on a future episode. But that was a moment where I guess I got into a performance in a Christian skin. And so, which looks like you, you read your Bible, you pray, you fast regularly, you give generously, all of these are principles to live by that are deemed as the process to success as a Christian. If you do these things, will not life go well for you? And so I was doing all of that on steroids and, uh, and, and not realizing actually, I've got some cracks in my foundation that my identity was in this external success performance in a Christian skin and not in my success is friendship with him. Success is this intimacy and friendship with the Father. That's the director of Heaven and Business at Bethel Church in Redding, California, Andy Mason. And on today's episode of Eternal Leadership, my co-host, John Ramstead, and I hear about Andy's journey from bank executive in New Zealand to moving to California and what Bethel Church in Redding is doing to help people in the workforce. In fact, at the end of January, Bethel is hosting another Heaven in Business conference, and we'll have info and dates on how to register at the end of the show. But first, here's how I got that conversation with Andy Mason started. So, John, I want to say it was probably about a couple months ago, I subscribed to Bethel Church's web feed and I saw there was this one conference in particular that really caught my attention. I immediately downloaded all 12 or 13 sessions of it. It's the Heaven in Business Conference that was back, I want to say, in August of last year. And as I was working through it, one of the staff members at Bethel, Andy Mason, who's kind of taken the lead on this, as I listened to him speak, I was like, I like this dude. I I like what he has to say. And and even though he's got a funny accent, even though he's a Kiwi, he's got some great things to say. And I love his, I especially love his story. And so, John, I really want to just introduce Andy Mason from Bethel Church in Redding, California. Uh, Andy has an amazing story. And Andy, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much, Steve. So, Andy, start us out with, you grew up in New Zealand. Tell the listeners a little bit about your growing up. Yeah, so uh, from New Zealand, the the accent I jokingly say is I'm, I'm from south of Texas, which which gets some people slightly confused until I explain, you know, if you keep going south, you end up in this couple of little, little islands uh, called New Zealand. but. Yeah, my dream, I guess, was to be a uh, manage some large property, so uh, sheep, beef, deer, cropping. Uh, I, I thought that was my dream in life is to is to be manage some corporate type. You would say ranch, we would say uh, farm, and so I did a, a couple of years on a a, a training farm, twelve thousand sheep, five hundred cattle, and I was there with horse and dog, so a genuine. Uh, shepherd in New Zealand, 
Um, but from them, some of the mentors and people around my life were saying, hey, I would just want to challenge you to, to, to think think more, think uh, what God's got in, in store for you. So I ended up uh, going through university, working, and through that process really uh, got back in touch with a, a bigger dream inside of me, which was to help people spiritually and practically. And uh, so worked as a business consultant for five years and then a, a relationship manager with New Zealand's biggest bank for seven years. And all the while was working backwards and forwards in Africa, sort of short-term trips, uh, helping an organization develop a, an orphan program, microfinance, and leadership development. So that's kind of the, the short backstory. Well, one of the things that really stuck out to me is that you had some really good success at a very young age. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of the... Uh, from the the standpoint in the business, we grew from uh, the first one is is in that in the consultancy business. We had what we called a target was a we we called a one ton club. So if you hit a set amount of fees, then you're in the the club, which is a you know, within the company was a particular set of fees. So we achieved that in three years, which was I I achieved that in three years under my boss and what he was doing which was really good, but that, I just still wasn't satisfied. And then with the bank, uh, that was the boom uh, when things were going really well. So our portfolio went from 50 to 150 million in three years. And again, I mean, really good, potentially successful growth, but there's something in me that was really wanting more. So how did you end up in America then? Because I know you were offered this really lucrative position with the bank and you really felt like God was calling you, both you and your wife, separately. Yeah. Yeah. So starting 2008, uh, we were praying about, you know, where's our future God? We, we feel like there's more. We know there's something in us. We don't know exactly what that looks like, but we know uh, we're just not satisfied with what we've currently got. We've got four beautiful kids. Uh, we've got a, a house with with all the debt paid off, so a debt-free house, and I'm in my my early 30s. Uh, we're doing international, well, a church would call it missions work. We call it international community development. All these things that apparently would set you up a success, but there's something in us that wanted more. And so we thought, well, maybe that's as a in a traditional ministerial-type role. So we spoke to our, our pastor at the time, and he said, I don't know really where you fit and nothing's changing here. So there was no nothing right there. So we thought, well, maybe it's the promotion. So I offered that, as you were mentioning, this promotion in the workplace. But as I went to start that, it was going to take me away from family, away from what I felt like was what our core calling or purpose was in, in developing people. So I'm like, it doesn't make sense. It's not business. It's not church ministry. What else is there? And I was with a buddy, uh, Brighton, in Uganda that, that year. It was about May 2008. And just telling him, I don't know what this is. And he said, well, have you thought about praying about it? Which is a profound statement. But he wasn't so much saying it's not one or the other, but maybe you should pray about whether God wants you to move geographically. So that's when we came home. And, and I wrote down in my journal, God is our future in this location. And within one week, he spoke to my wife and I, independently about leaving everything and going to a brand new country. 
you personally had a big paradigm shift in terms of your relationship with God, because while you had all this success, you lost some big clients and it really shook your faith. Yeah. I can't remember exactly which year it was, but I felt like God had been speaking to me about increase. He's going to follow all these things going to happen. So I, I made this bold statement to my colleagues who are not followers of Jesus, what was going to happen that year. And instead of what I expected to happen, I actually lost over a period of three years, I lost three of my top 10 clients. And that just rocked me to the core. And it led me to this point. It took me three years to get to this point and losing what was my biggest client. I was just struggling, waking up anxious, worried about how is this, what's going on, but not really sure what the core of this was until my wife said, hey, you need to just go and sort this out with God. And so I remember coming back into my living room and just saying, God, where, where are you? I mean, I'm poured out for you. I'm, I'm not holding anything back. I'm doing the best that I can. Uh, I'm praying. I'm believing in faith. I'm taking risk. I'm following your voice. And I feel like I'm losing. Where are you? And I suddenly have this experience where all of this emotion and this, this, these things inside me came out. And Jesus met me. And it wasn't like he answered anything in terms of what I was expecting, but this realization that in the midst of the difficulty, the struggle, what seemed like loss, he was with me. So this revelation that that I had equated success. And if God is good and then God is with me, then everything's going to go well. So I had this disconnect. It, it doesn't mean everything's going to go well. Yes, he is good. Yes, he is with me. But just because he's doesn't mean things aren't going to go perfect and brilliant. So I just had this incredible connection with him in the moment. Now, Christianity 101, Emmanuel, God with us, suddenly had this deeper revelation that he's with me. Nothing changed externally immediately. But then within three months, I got a promotion. <laughs> we had a $10 million deal come up. It was just like, okay, God, just this learning. My identity is not based on... Uh, whether I win or lose, but I'm giving my best. Well, I, th I think part of that, the emotion uh, of that was it, it wasn't just one of those clients wasn't just somebody that that was a big client. It was a client that you had a long standing relationship with. That's that's right. And yeah, it was it was personal. So, and, you know, Andy, what I'm thinking about, you know, when you're in that moment right there, right, where you're trying to soldier on and all of a sudden you're just having everything comes together and you, you said you met Jesus. What, what did you learn through that? Because that, that's a spot that I'm guessing in the future as you move forward that you needed to get back to over and over again. Yeah, I mean, good question, because that's, I mean, there's been countless times through my life where that, you know, maybe seven years old, I say, I want to give my life and follow Jesus. And then 13, someone speaks into my life and says uh, that, I, you know, starts to speak about the calling and purposes of God and, and this continual journey of growing with him. And but that was a moment where I guess I got into uh, performance in a Christian skin. And so which looks like you, you read your Bible, you pray, you fast regularly, you give generously, all of these uh, principles to live by that uh, are deemed as the process to success as a Christian. Uh, if you do these things, will not life go well for you? And so I was doing all of that on steroids. And uh, 
and and not realizing actually I've got some cracks in my foundation that my identity was in this external success performance in a Christian skin and not in my success is in based on the fact that Christ in me, the hope of glory. Success is friendship with him. Success is success is Emmanuel, God with us. That and I can do all of these things for him, which are good things, great things, change the world. But you know, if I change the world and he says, but I didn't know you. And so this whole this greater and greater revelation that success is this intimacy and friendship with the Father. You know, you're you're what you're talking about is really this true relationship right with the father yeah. with god so yeah. you know before you, you were taking all the business practices right and you were excelling in those areas and now you're applying those to your faith what what was the shift between i guess that how you were thinking before and what you're doing now it's very significant yeah so yeah. So, so this whole thing i love how in Psalm 16, David saying, I have set the Lord continually before me because I'm constantly aware of him, I will not be moved. So it's this, um, I know the principles, I work the principles, I expect increase, I, but I know that principles are the foundation. They are not, they are not the source of increase. The source of increase is his presence, is this connection with him. And even Jesus said, of myself, I can do nothing. And, and he's the, you know, he's the stand-up poster child of what it is to live as a follower of him. Right. So it's not like something has changed. It's, the, it's like there's been a crack in my foundation that my identity was based on what I did. And it's not. My, my identity is based as a son of God. Uh, my identity is based on this friendship with him. So it's not like I don't work. It's actually he has a higher standard. But it's this, I love how John Wooden, that, that UCLA Bruins coach for years, and he's the one that in his book, he articulates my value is not based on whether I win or lose. It's on giving my best. So that's a foundation. But then what I'm living now is this, it's, it's a greater level of dependency on, on him. I love how Jesus said is I only do what I see my father doing. So I can have the business plan, I can have the principles, I can have the practices, but when you jump into battle, you throw those things out the, wall, out the door. But even before that, uh, the partnership with him, listening to his voice and following him, that is my process, that is my strategy, that is my secret to success. So it's, it's this, I love the scripture that said, be excellent at what is good, so what am I good at, and be, be the best at that, and innocent of evil, which is, speaks of this godly character and integrity and work ethic. I have those two things, but it's the God of peace that crushes Satan under my feet. And now we've got the testimonies to prove that of this journey of what does it look like to run into the battle as David did, virtually naked against Goliath. So my dependence and reliance is not on an external ability, gifting. My dependence and reliance is on the fact that God is with me. Now, you had to really rely on God when you came out to Bethel because you guys sold your house and went to this school. Yeah, that, um, it, it was almost the leaving New Zealand was the easy part. I, I mean, I had three scriptures. One was my wife's. Uh, two were, we said two for me because I probably needed more. 
And we had just godly men and women of God around us that were just confirming, this is clearly God, go for it. So we pick up four children, two, four, six, and eight aged at the time. And we come to this land of the free home of the brave. And we know nobody, know nothing. I'm one of 800 students in a ministry school. And my, my background and experience is irrelevant. Uh, and we're just trying to find our way here. That was when it became really scary. You, you don't know, you know, we say well, I trust God and I've got this confidence in him. Well, you don't know that until something goes wrong. Uh, you don't know really what your level of trust is when everything you thought you trusted and gets removed. As in, I didn't even realize how much I trusted or had my security in the fact that I've got this secure house or that of, of this steady salary. I trusted God as believing but it wasn't until those things were removed that I grow in this whole new dependency on God and realize, oh my gosh, I am freaking out here. This is scary. So it propelled me into a, a greater, it's like when you're scared, you can choose to either, in a business sense, we get busy to try and deny it, just work harder. Well, here, it was illegal for me to work. So I can't work because I'm an alien, um, alien status, I've got a student oh, visa. Okay. So it's illegal for me to work at the time. And so I, all I can do is what God's saying. Um, and yeah, that, that kind of eroded all the things that I previously gained a sense of value from because I'm now seemingly doing nothing other than what he says. And I would far rather be working now, you said the easy part was leaving New Zealand. And so you stepped into this whole scenario, Andy, voluntarily. Oh, absolutely. So you're in yes. Southern California. You'd sold your house. You're around a totally new environment. Correct. What gave you the courage to just make that move across the pond and, and land in the land of unknown? Yeah, I mean, so if I jump back to that, we'd ask that question, God, is our future in this location? And I wrote that in my journal. Two days later, I was reading a, a Bible story to my four-year-old son. He always chooses the stories. And typically, they are David, Samson, uh, Daniel and the Lions, all the, the violent <laughs> Bible stories. <laughs> Good manly stories. stories. Oh, yeah. So uh, we're reading that. Well, he chooses the story. And this time, he turns to this one of Abraham, and it just says, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And as I'm reading it, innocently, I just get sideswiped by God. It's just that my heart starts beating faster. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is God answering the question that I wrote down, but not in the way that I expected. <laughs> then, So that was number one. Number two was two days later, we had a visiting speaker um, at our local church. And he opens up the passage, Joshua 1, verse 2. Now, arise, you and this people with you, and cross over the Jordan. So he's talking about the Jordan is like the line of limitations that you've set on yourself, the things that you said you would never do. Cross over the line of limitations into the land of risk and promise. And then, so I was just like rocked first, twice, and I love the word because the word is unchangeable. It's black and white. You cannot mess it up with it in that way. And so God has so clearly spoken those two. But then uh, we knew that it had to be both of us. So my wife was 
uh, was doing something and said, okay, God, give me it. Give me a scripture. And immediately this reference popped in her head, uh, Jeremiah 3.14. And nobody knows what that says. So she goes and sits down and opens it up and looks up this reference, Jeremiah 3.14. And it says, I will take you one from a family and two from a city, and I will lead you to Zion and set shepherds over you according to my heart. It will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So this whole thing of leaving, um, yeah, that was, so between that and other you know, godly men and women praying and agreeing and saying, yeah, this is clearly God, um, hearing God for themselves and, and praying for us, yeah. we knew that was, that was the easy part in that sense. But then when we get here, there's no blueprint of here's the process, do this, do this, do this. Um, and so that was what, when it was challenging. Um, you know, I'd walk into a, a meeting with, a, 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 we have like a pastoral group. And so I was one of 80 students in that group. They range in age from about 18 years old to about 60 plus. And this guy walks up to me, he's a businessman from Canada, also doing school. And he said, oh, Andy, uh, I'd met him once, but no real background. He said, uh, I was praying. I feel like God's saying that uh, this is your promised land, like you're here for an extended period of time. And I'm like, whoa, what? just a series of things like that, uh, that God would speak to us either through his word or through other people. And so we knew we were in the right place, but well, how am I going to feed my family? And, and how's this going to work? And that was this crazy journey. And then, so we traveled that for about nine months in the school. And really, again, more of my identity of what does it really mean to be a, a son or a daughter of God? What does that look like? What does it look like to live, live out um, everything Jesus said? Uh, and so that was this first year. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what now, God? Because he I had that original mandate, you know, go, cross over. We know we're supposed to be here, but we. But what's next? And do I do second year school of ministry? And so I was pondering that, and we're sitting in a meeting, and uh, one of the overseers was saying, hey, we're talking about it's a three-year school, so not everyone does it, but it's a first year, a second year, and then a third year is like a mentor-based program. Well, as I'm sitting there and this person's talking, um, I have this thought and that I've learned as the Holy Spirit speaking to me saying, I want you to talk to this guy, Danny Sook, about the possibility of interning with him. Now, I'm a first-year student. That's a third-year program. And Danny is one of the senior leaders in the environment. And so from the coach that I come from, you'd never, ever run up and say, hey, look at me, look at me. It just that's not what you do. And plus, Danny's a family life pastor with a social work background. I'm a business guy that's more about life coaching, helping you become a champion rather than let's talk about your problems and fix that. So I'm like, this does not make sense. So I come home and I tell my wife about it. She's like, well, you better do something. She's this, she's my accountability source, which is just so wonderful. So I emailed Danny and thinking, well, I'm one of 800 students. He may not even respond anyway. So at least I'm off the hook. Well, he responds within 24 hours. We meet within 48 hours. And he's asking me, you know, so what's, uh, you know, what's your background? I said, well, working in the bank, in consultancy, uh, even international development, 
really helping people discover purpose, where they're going with their life and where, and, and, and mapping out this plan to get them from where they are to where they want to be. And he's like, really? Have you read the book Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly? And I said, no, I haven't. I said, well, he said, well, you're an answer to prayer. When can you start? I want you to do what you were doing with your clients. Do that with our staff. And my jaw, <laughs> my jaw just drops. I walk out of that. I walk into that meeting having no idea why we're here other than God said go. Yeah. And walk out of that meeting realizing the last 15 years of my life has prepared us for this. So how long was it before you were able to get your visa so you could work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we had someone again pull us out of a meeting. Um it's saying it's the guy Sean Bowles from Expression 58 in, in LA. And it just said, you guys are here, again, for an extended period of time. Your green card is going to be easy. So he's just saying, this is the word of the Lord for you. And uh, I'm thinking, awesome. So that must mean we're going to get the green card, which gives us, so, so a green card gives us the same rights as a citizen to work, to earn, to do whatever we want, but we don't have voting rights. So that's, that's what a green card does um, for a foreigner or an alien. So this is what an alien looks like. <laughs> and so we thought that would be that would take place obviously that year since God has spoken. Yeah. Well, uh, there's two ways of getting that. One is applying, but to apply you must have at least two years on a salary. And so I was working as a volunteer or as an intern in the environment, so I don't have that option. The second one is to apply for a lottery. There's a lottery and they award about 50,000 visas for the world every year to access America. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to be one of a million and win the lottery and get access to apply. for. It's like a fast yeah. track process. Yeah. You still got to apply. Well, we didn't. We didn't win. So another year goes by. I'm thinking, okay, it's going to at least happen now. And, and we are chewing up maybe $50,000 a year to live here. We don't have support. So our, we are hemorrhaging cash. And what we lovingly say is eating our house. We sold our house in New Zealand and we're living on the proceeds. Well, it, it didn't happen the second year to the point where you know you've lost hope when you're not even looking for the future. You're not even looking. We didn't even look up the third year. But that third year, we won the lottery and got the green card. So what God had said all along was true, except his time frame was different to ours. So, so often we... We have what he said, and we have an, an image of what that will look like. And we build our faith around a particular expression of how God's going to come through. And actually, we miss it because he's doing, He's trying to bring us something a different way, but I've got to let go of control. And I've got to trust him in the midst of, like David said, when I am afraid, I will trust you. Andy, I know I know that you said in the midst of that you were tired. I know there are people listening right now that they are in the midst of that season where they are waiting for those promises to be fulfilled. They know there's something more out there for yeah, them. They yeah. know their business is about to turn around. They know that a big sale is about to come their way. They know that a big breakthrough in their business is about to happen. Yet it seems like they're in the midst of this desert. What got you through that desert season? Yeah, really good. Um, and, and there's a, there are a lot of things that will help. Um, I remember uh, one of the things I would do is I would record. So like just with a phone or a, a tape recorder, however, 
I would record the things that Jesus had spoken. So to me personally and through others. And I'd, I'd put those in and I would listen to those. So I remember probably my worst day, um, I, 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 I just put an earbud in my ear and I'd have on my, plugged into my phone, I'd be listening to the prophetic words, these these words of exhortation that God had spoken over my future. I'd listen to them over and over again, mixed in with specific scriptures that that encouraged me. So uh, the Psalm, Psalm 27, Psalm 34, Psalm 37, uh, Psalm, Psalm 62. There's these, there's these scriptures that were like, uh, what I had to do, I was so overwhelmed by the voice of lack, by the voice of disappointment, by the voice of discouragement. I had to get God's voice in me again till his voice outshouted the negativity and the, the doubt. So that was one thing I did. Is, is that's been such a key. Uh, another is to um, another real key for me has been to intentionally seek out uh, stories or testimonies of other people's breakthrough. So Revelation talks about we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. So, um, so I, I'm looking for the word of their testimony. So. We're a part of a global family, so what Jesus has done for you, he can do for me. And actually remembering and repeating that testimony is something that releases life and the power to do it again. So I would, as I would travel, it was amazing. As I started to set my heart and mind on what God had said, I would literally bump into people with testimonies that brought life. I remember being in Rusk, Texas, in a town of I don't know, it's certainly not more than a thousand people. And I get to stay there in this hospital. And the pastor was uh, previously to this building, a hospital that they've converted into a church and a school and a ministry school and accommodation. And I'm sleeping the night in what used to be a patient room. Uh, we're meeting in the cafeteria. Uh, but the story behind that was, you know, he was discouraged, church of maybe 30 people, uh, he got an offering of $300. He's like, oh, God. He goes on a depressed drive, ends up outside of this, you know, 10 minutes away outside of this building. And in the, even in his discouraged state, he hears God say to him, uh, I'm giving you this building. And so he tracks down the owners. Uh, while he's tracking them down, they clean up the outside of this building. To cut a long story short, they, the owners say, yeah, we'd love to give it to you. Uh, we're only, uh, it's a $3 million building. And they say, we just wonder if you consider paying our, um, our outstanding tax bill of $12,000. So they get a $3 million building for $12,000 with $1 closing. So wow. I'd read over that story again. And then I bump into another guy uh, uh, who's now a friend. They were here. Um, they've now got a carpet business. But at the time... They was like, God, what are we doing? They bump into a businessman and he says, hey, well, I've got this. I've got a house. I wonder if you guys would like to stay in it rent free. Um, it's a brand new house. Um, so that And just keep one bedroom so that when my wife and I fly in and visit Reading, um, then we can stay in that one bedroom. And, they, and so they're staying in this house. Three months later, uh, the, uh, the owner of the house, this businessman, calls them up and says, hey, uh, and by the way, the ownership papers are in the post. 
It's a $400,000 house that they got for free. So what I would do is, now I, I didn't just hear that story, but I actually got to sit in the house and hear that story personally from the people that owned it. So that is something that is such a critical component of the Christ life, of living a victorious life of uh, Psalm 78 talks about the Israelites. Whenever they forgot what Jesus had done in the past, they started to lose. But when they remembered what he'd done, they started to win. It's such a key component. Mm. So that's another component. So what God has said and what he said to me, what he's done for me, what he's done for others, uh, key scriptures that I can play over and over again. Um, but other another thing is, is having people around me that can encourage me is, uh, you know, your mum is always so good. Mom, this is going terrible. And she, <laughs> that's, mothers are so good like that. But not everyone has a mum like that. Um, but maybe that's other people around you that, that can just stand with you and agree that you don't need someone to tell you to do more. You want someone to actually just genuinely encourage you, believe you, be- believe with you and encourage you. And, and I have some people around me that were like that. And, you know, as you were on this journey, this process, right, to trust God with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding from before. Yeah. What, what did you notice as you, as you went through that? Um, one of the, the, the big thing is um, it, one of the times, I mean, it's been a series of, uh, I would say experiences with God of just my walk with him of growing and growing and growing in this. Um, and that's highlighted with one trip to uh, Alaska. So I was with Danny Silk, traveled with him to Alaska and I was thinking, I was at the time freaking out about, uh, you know, how's God going to come through? How are you going to do that, God? How are you going to do that? And uh, how's that going to come through? Um, so all about the, the show me the how. And we get up there and I'm thinking, at least I'm going to be really busy so I don't have to think about the how for a moment. And I can just go into denial and uh, just c- cope until I get home. Well, I find out I get up there. I don't know anybody uh, I've got, there's nothing for me to do. Everything's taken care of. So all I've got to do is be a part of a conference. Like I'm a spare part in this big 200, 300 people. I'm, and I don't know anybody. I'm an absolute loser. But I get into this point where during the worship, I just lift my hands up and I say, okay, God, I'm just not going to let go of you. Uh, like how can I deny what you said? So I'm, I'm just going to like this kind of bold faith stand. I will trust you. I won't let go. Well, I open my eyes, and this this lady has done a painting, and in, a, in this painting, there's a there's a hand coming down from heaven, a hand coming up from earth, and it's titled "Never Let Go." And I'm like, "That's me, God. I'm holding on to you. I'm never going to let you go." And over the next few days, I realize, oh, it's not about me holding on to him because he's the bigger one in this relationship. So it changed from. I trust not in my ability to hold on to him, but in his ability to hold on to me. So it, it moves internally from this, this anxiety about how's God going to do that? How's God going to do, how's God going to come through? How's he going to heal this? How's he going to provide here? How's he going to sort out this relationship to, I don't know how he's going to do it, but this anticipation of what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to, I don't know what that is, but I'm, I'm growing in my confidence that, that he really is good and it doesn't always look good. I guess that's why it's called trust. 
is that if I want the, the trust that goes beyond my understanding, I've got to give up my right to understand. And that's that's not easy, and it doesn't look good. And I mean, if you read Hebrews, some people die, and some people got it. And I'm like, I would rather be one of the ones that get it. <laughs> or is it, is it possible that we can have a connection with God in the midst of our life right now that becomes so beautiful that we can then say, like Paul did, hey, well, death, death is death's a great outcome because I know where I'm going. So whether I live or die, I'm not really sure, but I know it's for your benefit that I remain. Uh, and so that's, I mean, that's this journey is, is learning and growing in this relationship with him that I can have this friendship, this communion with God. And the thing that provokes me to that is actually often it's the pain, it's the difficulty, it's the challenge. Uh, it's like the Egyptians chasing Israel through through a Red Sea. They wouldn't have done it on their own, but the fact that sometimes we need a little bit of challenge to chase us, I'd rather be a person of vision, but it doesn't always work like that. Now, Andy, you had started working in coaching the staff over at Bethel. You are now basically in charge of the Heaven in Business outreach. Talk, talk a little bit about what Heaven in Business is. Yeah, so we started with, um, you know, what are we doing to pour strength back into the staff and other people of how do we build champions? And that, that was really Danny's, uh, Danny Silk's initiative of what are we doing to build champions in this environment? Uh, anybody, well, not anybody, but we're focused so long of fixing the broken, but if we want to see the really the world transformed, We've got to do more than just fix the broken. We've got to build champions. So how do I build champions? How do I help you discover who you really are and live from a victorious mindset and become everything God called you to be? So that was where we're coming from. But uh, during the School of Ministry, when I first got here, there's so many initiatives in the community uh, in, in, in what is now, in a cleaning bridges, doing acts of service, uh, praying for people, and there's a there's so much of that going on but there was nothing in the business community nothing in the economic state of the city and for me personally it was like okay i love this message of of transformation but in order for there to be a transformation or a reformation of cities there must be a reformation in the economic area so what are we doing to reach the business people for the city to prosper the business community must prosper so what are we what are we doing there and so uh, there was nothing but uh, the people or the overseers of the outreach department were like, well, just go and do something. <laughs> that probably got your entrepreneurial juices flowing. Yeah. And it's like, OK, so with this one other guy uh, who was a businessman from Canada, the two of us, and we got connected to a local businessman. It was a startup company in Reading, California. Um, and we just go out there. We have no idea what we're doing, but. We, we just go down there and meet with them and just start to grow in relationship. Well, that connection led to more connections and which led to what would it look like if we just gathered some like-minded business people together, the believers that are hungry to see more than just principles at work. They wanna see uh, what really distinguishes us as a follower of Christ in the marketplace. Uh, and, and that was what triggered it. So September, 2011, we handpicked about 36 different business people, two days, threw them together in a room, and, and we're just exploring that. And, and then not only that, but 
in my own quiet time one morning, I felt like God just dropped in me some keys of, you know, how do we build like a course, a, a training process to help people connect with a God that is so much bigger than what you could ever ask or think or imagine. Like, I want, I, we've got to be overwhelmed by how big God is. Otherwise, we never leave it, never step out and trust him. So that process, so we've turned that into a, a track or an elective in the school of ministry. So now we've got things going on in the, in the school of ministry. So, you know, how do I build a business that demonstrates a partnership with God? So the practical plus the spiritual, there is no difference. How do I build that? How do I create that? And then what we're doing with our local business community, uh, you know, how do we encourage them, connect them to partner with God in all of life, not just, so I've got these two great passions, my spirit life, you know, this communion with God. And I have this other great passion, which is business and creating wealth and changing cities. But how do these two things interweave? And so how do I integrate my spirit life with my work life? Because there is no separation. And what's the benefits of that? And what's the foundations? And how do I build that as a culture? And how do I scale that? And that's this journey of what we're building now. And you guys have a conference coming up in January. I, I listened to the one back in August of 2014. I loved it. What's the January conference going to look like? Yes. So if, if you said we, we don't so much as say this, but this this there is a, a pretty much a pathway. One, I must be overwhelmed by how big and great God is in the context of where I work. So I love the testimonies of miracles take place on a Sunday. Love it. Um, but what does it look like to hear the voice of God in my business and other people doing that? So I get spurred on by, OK, if God can do that for a janitorial company or a finance company or a, you know, a home health company, he can do that for me. So that's the context. And so number one is being overwhelmed by God and then being activated to do that. Um, and then once I've, you can say, okay, God is now visiting me in my business, in my workplace. How do I now build a, a culture in my workplace where he wouldn't just visit, but he'd take up permanent residence. So during Solomon's day, uh, it said that you know they piled silver up in the streets because it was so plentiful. It, it, they had peace all around. So how do I build a workplace that God would actually take up residence? And so this this conference in in the end of January is building a culture of honor in a, in a workplace. How do I the business of honor? What's the benefits of building from heaven's perspective? Heaven on earth, heaven in my business. And what's the benefits? What does it look like? How do I build that? And then, and then how do I walk away? And, and what are some practical keys of, of living that out? Andy, that is such incredible value. You know, Steve and I started this entire Eternal Leadership podcast for one simple mission. That's to equip and inspire leaders to accomplish what God has inspired in them. And Steve and I both know in our hearts, and I know you share this, the, the place of biggest influence in our culture comes from somebody who has influence and somebody who's in That's business. Right. That's right. And and I do. I feel that God is moving in a huge way uh, in this world. I don't know exactly how what that looks like over the next many years, but I know he's calling people, you know, to rise up and be part of this. And I would encourage yeah. anybody listening who want to be equipped and, and to be 
taught and trained by people that have just incredible fruit on their tree, you know, to plug in with what Andy's doing at Bethel, uh, to take the time to get out to this conference, because we all need to get better. God has just incredible things in store for us. And I just love what you shared today. I, I got to tell you, I took four or five pages of notes just listening to you. And I can't wait to listen to this again, because man, this was just uh, just constant value just being sewn into my life as I listen to Andy. So I just, as a personal note, just thank you very much. Oh, thank you, John. I mean, I love it how, you know, God has hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to children or to babes and how God delights in taking the weak things to shame that which is strong and the foolish to shame the wise, which doesn't mean that it's not about wisdom. It's about this childlike position of, I don't have all the answers. Uh, this, how do I keep this hunger and humility as my greatest weapons that access everything? And am I okay with not knowing the answer? And so I feel like so much of my journey is just fun. I say stumbling forward and just keep saying yes. And, you know, if I ever think I've arrived, I've, I've failed. But how, now how do we... How do we activate the people around us to hear God for themselves? And and like I love what you're saying is that we're here to inspire people, give them vision and validate them in that, and then equip them with practical keys. You know, don't copy me because your journey is different, but here's some keys, here's a piece of my life, taste and see that that God really is good. And, And then let me know how it's working for you. How can we encourage one another on this crazy journey? After we concluded this conversation, John sent me a text saying how much he loved this interview, and I have to agree. We'll hear more from Andy in a future episode or two. Now, the Heaven in Business Conference runs from January 28th to January 30th, 2015 in Redding, California. Now, I know it's short notice for those that are listening to this now, but I can't recommend this conference highly enough. In fact, I'm trying to make it out there myself. So if you go, be sure to look for me. We'll have a link to register on this MP3 and in the show notes at eternalleadership.com. Just search for Andy Mason. Now, I know that this is a podcast and people will be listening to this episode long after January 2015. If this conference sounds interesting to you, just follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash eternal leadership or Twitter at eternal leaders and keep your eyes peeled for an announcement about a future heaven and business conference or go to ibethel.org and look at the events tab if you are unable to make it out there for the conference or want to get audio of past heaven and business conferences just go to bethel.tv and search for past heaven and business conferences or you can just do what i did which is buy a season pass and by doing so you can stream the conference live and you're able to download any audio from the past year. Now, Andy has written two books that we didn't have time to talk about, Dream Culture and God With You at Work. You can find links to those books embedded in the information on this MP3 or at our website, eternalleadership.com. That's eternalleadership.com and just search for Andy Mason. We'll be talking with Andy in the future about God With You at Work and Dream Culture is one of those that I'm looking forward to reading. In fact, we recently had a large group of people at my house to pray, and two people saw Dream Culture here in my office and purchased it on their Kindle that very night. 
I can't wait to get into it. Next time on Eternal Leadership, Jeff Spatafora from Halftime Institute. All along during that journey, I had this strange sensation that I could, I could best describe as smoldering discontent. Mm. We were living here in Colorado, which was a dream of ours. We, we had uh, horses that we could ride from the house. We had a house up in Breckenridge. Had all this stuff, but there was a smoldering discontent that I just could not seem to place my finger on. And so I, I basically was at the end of my rope, to be honest with you. I tried changing firms. I had tried... Um, you know, bought all sorts of stuff, did all sorts of vacations, and it just dawned on me that, you know what, it's, it's, this is probably a spiritual issue. We heard from Jeff on a Coach's Corner about a month ago. Now hear Jeff's halftime story. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.